0: think we're live everywhere. So live, say something insightful.
1: Live from New York, it's something real. But we're not, not in New, in New York.
0: York. I've never been. And
1: it's not Saturday night. you ever night. been to New York? I have, when City? Ricky and Courtney got married. Because oh. Courtney's from Jersey, so we made a trip of it. Would, uh, it was the launch of their marriage, and so oh today we're looking at... I was going to launch, launch into a talk about
0: fare. pizza, but go for you, that. You, <laughs> there's
1: never a bad time to talk about pizza.
0: A New York so. pizza that you can fold.
1: You can fold any pizza if you're determined you enough. You can't
0: fold deep dish. If you that'd are, be, that'd if, be if a if big you, mess. If you
1: are determined, you can fold a Giordano's Determined, determined to make a pizza. mess. Well, there's that.
0: So let's talk about uh, Acts. <laughs> or... Well, as
1: we launched into that conversation, and Ricky and Courtney launched their marriage at that time, we are now looking at uh, the, what is really the launch pad for our faith, for a, a confident faith walk. And this is, I think, one of the things that um, I probably deal with most with people, and I think probably just in personal interaction you do as well. I know that, that, that uh, these are things that we've talked about a lot is, how do I get that confidence? How do I get mm-hmm. that boldness? Uh, and when we see in in Acts thirteen in the first twelve verses that Paul is Paul and Barnabas, Paul is doing the speaking here uh, in, in what's recorded. Um, they go before the Roman proconsul, which is you know this is a big time platform to be able to talk. He actually sent for them. He had heard the gospel uh, or heard of the gospel and wanted to hear them talk about it. He's an intelligent man, wants to, to hear the reasoning and so on. They get there and in in all of what's going on, they interact with this attendant, um, advisor, attendant you know how we want to see this this inner circle guy, who is a sorcerer, false prophet kind of dude, uh LMS Bar Jesus, and he he tries to divert the proconsuls. Attention away from the faith to, to to turn him away.
0: What a name, by the way, Elemus Bargesus?
1: It's right up there with Sergius Paulus. Right? <laughs> this is a chapter of great names. And uh, anyhow, Roman names just kind of sound majestic. Right, going, right. you sound like you should. When be you say ruling, like sorcery when,
0: and Elimus <laughs> Barjesus, I, mean, I want to have like a wand.
1: Right, and when your name is is Sergius Paulus, right. you sound like you should be in charge. of I don't watch Harry
0: Potter, but I feel like
1: that's <laughs> yeah, probably I, a spell in yeah, there somewhere. Right. Must be. Uh, anyway, so uh, Elimus is trying to turn him away from the faith, and Paul just goes right at him. Says, "You are a child of the devil. Mm-hmm. Well, you never stop perverting the ways of the Lord." And that kind of boldness, I think, probably strikes most of us as, "Whoa, that's, right, right. That's not, you know, <laughs> that's not <laughs> politically down. correct right. here, you know." And especially in an age now where we are so uh, divided and divisive, where social media, especially, you see so many things that are—you um, would get really worked up and bent out of shape, and some other somewhat mildly derisive words that I could think of—that about things like politics, you know, and, and and even things that are deeper than the politics aspect of it. Things that have to do with theology and, and church, and I, and I see theological debates on social media, which just drives me nuts. That's not really a good debate forum. I know people call it that, and, and and I think probably it was intended to some extent to be that. But if you're in Twitter and you've got 140 characters, now it's 280 characters. That's not sufficient space for nuanced thinking. Well,
0: but even if you if you're on Facebook or you have all the space in the world you can't you can't read tone you can't you know you can't really have a conversation with somebody right and and
1: my sister-in-law uh Suzanne our our missionary to Hungary uh was just saying the other day and I thought she really nailed it one of the big issues that you see with social media debates or just in general is this reductionist idea that we're just going to reduce everything Mm -hmm. down to this this if I could say lowest common denominator that the it becomes base. And so while there might be, you know, this high level of thought in personal conversation, by the time we get it to social media, it's all just squashed and, and leveled out. And that's not conducive to to deep thinking or analytical critical thinking or being able to to communicate effectively and accurately. Like you said tone is a big right. deal.
0: But on the flip side, it seems like, you know, you turn the news today and you see people on both sides, whatever this person's angry about, whenever this person's angry about having I won't even call them conversations either, screaming at each right. other. You know, driving Still by in, re- in a pr- pr- right. driving by in a parade or walking by in a protest or whatever and screaming at each right. other, trying to get their point across in a few words while they're while they're walking by. Right. And it's it just like you said, it just seems like you can't be bold Right. Or you're going to get attacked some way, no matter what. If, or you you're end bo- up
1: slipping into being, being right. the attacker. Right. Well. Bo-
0: no matter what your beliefs are, right. it, I think people on both sides of the spectrum are kind of. I, I don't know if you get if you're if you're bold in what you believe or what your convictions are, you're going to get attacked by somebody else. Sure. Whether you're right or wrong.
1: So then, in a world like that, how do we how do we stand boldly for Christ? How do we live a confident? <laughs> that's a good life? question. And that's. Really what, what we see is kind of the key to this passage. If I
0: went up to somebody today and was like, you're a child of the devil, they would be right. like, "Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what is wrong with and, you?
1: And perhaps there are a lot more places that we should be doing that. Right. I think perhaps there are not enough uh, church leaders willing to do that. We don't do church discipline in, in our world today. It, it's just, it's so uncommon that it sounds foreign. When we talk about uh, you know removing someone from membership, mm-hmm. Over whatever it is, it could be a pretty heinous thing, and unless it's part of the woke movement, that's a whole other thing. You know, if if, if we're going to be, you know, outside of, of what is considered acceptable to society, oh, well, then we got to shut everything down, right. right? But what about the biblical standard? We don't discipline people for biblical standards. So when you know when someone's you know living together outside of marriage that is contrary to the biblical standard of how a church member needs to live. We don't address that We don't talk about it because it could be offensive we, we might hurt somebody's feelings you know if we're if we um, are talking about marijuana use obviously something controversial today or, um, as we're dealing with all of these different things, we don't address them within the church from a biblical perspective including sexuality so we have this whole new genre of books about you know the gay christian and stuff mm-hmm. not biblical that's uh, i will state unequivocally and i will probably you know if anybody outside of our circle of seven people or whatever hears this uh, i'll probably be uh, blasted for it it doesn't matter there is no such thing as a gay christian there are same sex attracted christians that's not the same thing when you're embracing this When you're saying, well, this is my identity, this issue that I'm dealing with. Same thing, you, you could take it farther and say there's no such thing as an alcoholic Christian. You cannot be an alcoholic having given in to it. You can't be a drunk, per se. That doesn't mean you can you can be not be a Christian if you have a struggle with it. Mm-hmm. The, the struggle isn't the But if you're just sitting the there saying,
0: this is who I am, right. the if end. Right. If
1: that's my identity... Right. I would say I would even take it farther. You can't be a black Christian or a white Christian or a female Christian or a male Christian. You can only be a Christian. That's it. You're a Christ follower, or That's you're your not. Identity. If you're not seeing that as the primary basis of who you are, in our, our pastoral prayer videos, uh, we've been working through Romans and and just getting um, through Romans seven and Romans eight the whole premise of what Paul is saying in our relationship to sin and our relationship to the Lord, it, it's rooted in who we are, not in necessarily what we do. The doing comes out of our identity as a natural flow. I can never behave consistently in a way that's inconsistent with inconsistent with what I think or how I see myself. But but Paul's struggle with sin, he said, that's not who I am. My my inner person longs for Christ's will to be done. I, I want God's will. And I know that the sinful part of me, that, that flesh, the dead man that I used to be, was not didn't want God's will, wanted my will. But I still have this tug of war. There's, there is sin living in me. It isn't me, but it's still taking up residence in me. And that's going to be a struggle I'm going to have to deal with. Later on in one of his other letters, he says, I haven't got this figured out yet. But what I am going to do is I'm going to leave behind what is behind. I'm going to put the past in the past. Or as Pumbaa said, you got to put your behind in your past. Also true. Also true. I guess. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm going to press forward. Because God has called me heavenward. There is a higher call that Christ has on my life. And I'm going to focus there. Not here. Not on what I've messed up. Not on on what somebody else has messed up, not how to, to handle all these details. I want to focus on him. And as I focus on him, then the rest is going to come together. But we use that sometimes as a cop-out too, so I don't want to go too far in how Here, I say Here's
0: that. the issue, I think, going back to, to Paul. Um, if, if that's being looked at from a, a present standpoint, I think where people get twisted is if I were to say something like that to somebody... And it's biblically based, it's going to come across, I think, to others as I personally, me, Stacy, am judging them sure. based on my own. I think you're this way. Right. I think I think that's wrong. And that I think is a that, danger
1: to watch out for.
0: I think that's just automatically where we go to. If somebody says something to you, if even if it's factual, if you feel like you're being attacked, then right. you feel like that person is judging you. They think they're better than me, blah, blah, blah. And I think that creates a, kind of a defensive... I want to be defensive against that. I don't want to listen to them. I want to be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Sure. So, doing that the right way, saying those things the right way, is not easy.
1: You know, and that's a really important point that it's my mom used to always say all the time it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm you know you can question well, your we've parents we talked before
0: about having the relationship authority right and having the relationship with somebody right. to say things a that certain drives way everything. right i right. couldn't say something to somebody on the street that i could say even to you or my family right. or my child or whatever
1: right and, and all of those different aspects of relationship context changes everything mm-hmm. like you have the same level of relationship as far as as uh, direct connection to your mother as you do to your son, right. but you would not say the same things to your mother that right. you would say to your son, right. and you wouldn't say the same things to your son that you would say to your mother. Right. There's there's a different thing that goes on there. Equal relationships as far as it's one generation removed in direct line from right. you, but you got to read
0: the room, and, right? Well, yeah,
1: <laughs> and, and and you love them both, right. Differently, but equally, right. right? But as you deal with that. You know, George is. Not, you don't have to worry about whether or not he reads it the wrong way, or, right, or right. you know how he might interpret it. There's no interpretation. George, stop doing that. Right. Or you know, the, get, there's, why? <laughs> there's a little, yeah, you're gonna get those questions. What you might get from your mom as well, but it's. A, but she's gonna actually expect a real answer right. when, when she's asking you that. So you're right. How we do it makes a big difference, which is also why social media and texting right. is a dangerous place for meaningful conversation. Meaningful conversations need to happen in person or, in, you know, a conversation should be in person. By phone maybe is a, a second best situation. Um, but if we're going to have a deep and meaningful conversation, we need to be able to, to pick up the whole thing. If phone, you're not be able to read body language and right. so on. Uh, you're, you're not in the room with them. That we can develop a thought more in a book than we can in a podcast. Right. You know that that's just how it is. I can develop thoughts more in a classroom or a small group setting than I can in a Sunday morning sermon. Sunday morning sermon, it's me talking, and others listening. There's a there's a spiritual participation that, that goes back and forth in that.
0: But it's not. Hey, you give your idea and hey, you right. give your input. It, right.
1: And it's. You know, at real life, sermons are around an hour. You know, even if I'm shooting for less, it seems to be it's about an hour, give or take. And it's, it is a one, it's, it's a one direction line of communication with that. Not the band. And that's, anyway. <laughs> they broke uh, They broke up it. <laughs> uh, and, and so we can, like even in, in this passage, there's so many more things that I wanted to talk about. Well, I can talk about some of those things in application here in this podcast, not more, but differently. Mm -hmm. If we're in a class where we're working through the book of Acts, we might take two, three weeks to go through the same section to be able to look at, you know, just things like, you know, at the very beginning of the chapter, we see the unity and diversity that they're, they're called to be one church. They're, they're serving the kingdom as one. They're in one accord, very much the same dynamic that we see in, in Acts two and Acts four. Um, but from broad diversity of background, mm-hmm. you know, you got different skin colors, you, you know, got one guy that's specifically called, uh, you know, Simeon the Black. And mm-hmm. So there's, there's some very distinct differences between them. Barnabas was a Jewish landowner. Uh, Saul's a former Paris, Pharisee, former persecutor. Uh, you got Manan who was raised with. The, the Herod that was on the throne when Jesus uh, went to trial, same guy that beheaded uh, John the Baptist, and now his childhood friend, is, is, or essentially foster brother, is here leading the church in Antioch. Mm-hmm. So you've got a real broad diversity here. Uh, you got Lucius of Cyrene, who's from Libya but has a Roman name. So you know, there's so much of that that we could really take a look at unity and diversity and diversity in the church. Um, but that's really only a part of this background. Uh, when you talk about their eager obedience and their joyful response to, to what was going on, again, it's part of the background. Uh, but as we look at all of these things, it culminates in that confident, bold um, confrontation with, with Elemas, between Paul and Elemas. But most of the time when we see Paul speak, he doesn't do that. It's very rare People will take a passage like this and say, well, look, see how judgmental Christians are, just right. like you're saying. But that's not the whole picture. We see Jesus gently communicating to those who are hurting, but starkly rebuking the religious leaders. He is, you know, he'll, he'll deal with the leper very gently. He'll deal with the, uh, with the money changer very, very dramatically mm-hmm. and directly. Uh, Throwing him out of the temple. So there's, there is context to it. Paul is very, timid isn't the right word, not timid, he's confident and bold, but very gentle and um, persuasive uh, and, and almost deferential as he talks to other leaders to, to, uh, to go through these conversations about the gospel. He's presumably we don't see how he actually has this conversation with Sergius Paulus. But if he talked like this to the Proconsul, then there is no conversation, right? right? Then you don't have this witness. But here is one who is clearly working for the other team. Right. And because of what took place in private in the first part of this section, as they're worshiping and fasting and praying together and, and hearing from the Lord, they're able to take what they developed in that relationship, that intimacy with God, where they know who he is, what he wants, that when they get to this situation, they're not scrambling. Paul doesn't have to stop and say, wait, I have to pray and ask God what to do here. He already knows. He knows what God's heart is saying because he spent time developing that relation, that relationship in private. He knows the word of God. He spent time seeking the face of God with fasting, hungering for God, uh, he, even when he believes, he hears the Holy Spirit moving him uh, you know, from Antioch to go on this missionary journey, um, he's, it's not him alone. It's right. him with the affirmation of the church. They're all believing the same thing. And even then, they seek God in prayer to be able to confirm that. So there's, there's no rash reaction here. There, there's a, an eagerness to do God's will because of the love they have for him, but there's a groundedness that comes from developing that that intimate knowledge of God, and that's really how we get to the confident place. We get to to the level of confidence by saying, you know, not what checklist do I have to go through, mm. or you know, what Bible degree do I have to have? We get to that level of confidence by developing that relationship with. Time alone with God. Also, you know, being with other believers, with the church, where we're building one another up. This is why gathering is so important. It's not so we can sit just so we can sit under teaching. There is that. It's not just so we can sing songs of worship. Yes, that's absolutely what we do. But what is really a huge part of it that I think people overlook is it's not... It's not primarily about what I get from it, but what I give to it. We're here gathering as the church to encourage one another, to mm-hmm. build one another up, to love one another, to spur one another on to good deeds. And we can't do that individually. We do that corporately. How am I going to encourage somebody else if I'm alone? That's not how right. it works. So.
0: And that kind of goes against, I think, a, a big chunk of our culture as well. Number one, we think we want to do things on our own. Yep. And number two, we tend to hide away when we need to be boosted up and lifted up. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm very guilty of that. Um, when,
1: we're, when we're feeling bad, when we're feeling right. down, disconnected, discouraged then we'll isolate, right. which is the absolute worst thing right. that we can do. Right. But the devil works really hard to tell us that. And notice what they're doing in private, in their in their private preparation for what will later be a public proclamation, mm-hmm. They, there is the aloneness, but it's together in this aloneness. Right. So the leadership is doing this. We see plenty of accounts where they are on their own, like, uh, Paul tells us later in his letters that he had, had gone off to, to learn by himself. He didn't go to Jerusalem to right. learn. Uh, there were a number of times when Jesus goes off by himself. Right. So there is that individual, I am I, I want to say isolated, and that's not really what I mean, but, uh, but where we are sort of sequestered in our prayer closet where it's just me and God. Uh, you know, the movie, The War Room, gives a great Mm -hmm. picture of that. This is my place, my time to protect from everything else, no distractions, not reading my Bible with the TV running. You know, I I would even go so far as to say it it might be not reading my Bible while I'm eating breakfast. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but to get completely focused and devoted so that I'm I'm clearing the mechanism of everything else there is no there's no distraction there's no noise the devil will bring distraction it could be a fly buzzing around the room that keeps you from thinking he's going to work really hard to get us to that place but to to be able to um to develop intimacy requires alone time and you know any parent with children understands that i can't develop intimacy with my wife with all the kids around there's a there's we have to have sometimes of being alone together, right. which is you know probably how we got in that situation. But anyway, the Let's so, just move can on. we edit that from the <laughs> live stream? We did say I this said, wasn't for children, right? <laughs> we so anyway, as we're um, as we're developing the private part of it, there are some things that that we see them doing here that we need to recognize as as important. Um, aspects of it. We need to recognize who God is. We need to focus on his person and character and worship. And that's one of the reasons that that singing and praying through the scriptures is a big deal. The Psalms focus so heavily on who God is and what he's done in the past to remind us of what he means to us going forward. So the, the greatness of God manifests in his deeds. This is an area of worship that that helps us to recognize him for who he is. We need to hunger for him in fasting. And we probably should have spent, you know, the bigger chunk of this podcast on fasting itself. Maybe we should do a
0: one-off on that. Maybe we should, (laughs)
1: because it does, it's something that gets neglected and overlooked in in the church. And I think even in places where it, um, where where folks are prone to use fasting, sometimes we we have misunderstandings of what it's intended to do, what it accomplishes. But, ultimately the desire for God is heightened by the focus on God. When we remove this physical satisfaction, this physical comfort, uh, then that attunes our minds and hearts to him.
0: We've said that before. You're less likely to to call out to God when you feel comfortable and you have everything you need and and you, you tend to do it when you're in trouble, quote unquote. Right. Um, so if you're hungry and you're not, you know, satiated, <sighs> and everything's not great, uh, you can adjust your focus there where it needs to be. Absolutely,
1: and 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 I don't fast as often as I should. You uh, that's talked something. to me, you
0: talked to me uh, when I was we were having uh, marital issues at one point. I think you said I'm gonna I'm fasting until this this and this and yeah. and that struck me at the time. I forgot about that. actually. Yeah, I haven't. So. I, before, I think before you said that, obviously I knew what fasting was, but I'd never, uh, in my own life, done that or known somebody else to do that for, uh, for that purpose. Hmm. Um, so that really stuck with me and uh, got me more interested in what that really is about and the purpose yeah. for it. And like you said on Sunday, it's not, you know, the the for dietary purposes to lose weight or to right.
1: not that there's anything wrong with that it's right. just not the same thing
0: it's not the the, the fad that people are right. trying to make it whether that's you know intermittent fasting or, sure. or whatever um, if you want to do
1: that for your health right. stuff that's, one that's thing, great but that's not the yeah. purpose here right
0: so i don't know that just struck with stuck with me
1: yeah and on my end you know one of the things that that did was it, it helped keep me focused mm-hmm. so when i'm Hungry and your stomach's growling, like, I need to eat something. Oh, wait a minute, I'm fasting. Oh, right. wait a minute, why am I fasting? Right, I'm right. fasting because I'm praying for these people. Because one I'm could sorry. argue
0: that the hunger itself would distract you. Yeah. But it reminds you of what you need to be focusing on so you can deal with that so you can eat again. <laughs> it,
1: and, and we can use that as an excuse. Right. Because anything can distract us right. if we allow ourselves to be right. distracted. And as someone who is very quickly and easily readily distracted... I get that. I can be distracted by good things, which is one of the struggles with doing research on the internet. If if I'm doing research for a sermon or or an article or whatever from a book and I'm following a thought, that's one thing. If I'm doing it on the internet and I do a search and then I hit a link within that search, which brings me to an article that has a link in that search, and I just keep going, and next thing you know, I'm, I'm six levels down the rabbit hole talking to the mad hatter At least and i forgot you're why i got productive. here productive i do that
0: with youtube videos and i to, i like yeah, end up too. somewhere totally different from where i started mm. like watching sloths or something
1: i don't know what that is so. sloths the animal oh sloths okay sloths okay. sloths no that's good <laughs> you're right that's emma's favorite animal by the way oh. i i'll start out watching something on on uh, intensive managed grazing and end up you know with who knows some kind of a unicorn right. yeah. song that the kids are yep. doing? So
0: anyway, sorry. Uh, See the distraction. So,
1: <laughs> exactly. So recognizing Him in worship, hungering for Him in fasting, uh, pursuing Him in prayer. They they take when they think they know, then they go farther. The 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 fasting uh, gets them in this pursuit, but then they're they're going to continue because fasting and prayer go together. Right. It's not just fasting. Right. It's not just prayer. But but to hotly pursue God. Like a deer panting for water, uh, now I'm going to communicate with him. I'm going to seek after him. So where the hunger fuels that passion, that mm-hmm. desire, uh, then eventually we want to consummate that desire in the conversation with him. So uh, hunger for him and fasting, pursue him in prayer. Uh, we see them hear from him in his word as the Holy Spirit speaks to them, and the Spirit speaks through the Scriptures. And so we we continually want to if we're going to know God then read his book. I mean he he gives us the book so that the mystery is revealed to us in Christ. And uh it was just uh I think the if I heard the story correctly I think the guy that wrote the um unlocking the bible code or what, you know from the 90s the secret like the numerical code codes no it was uh it was a, a a guy who was actually an atheist. I didn't even know that at the time. Was an atheist didn't believe that the Bible was God's word anyway, but had written this huge best selling book about the secret Bible numerical code that became all the rage in the Every 90s. Every third Even in or Christian like bookstores. That. And it was very troubling. Um, yeah, right. So then you can find all these things and right. you see Adolf Hitler in there and the Antichrist is, you know, so and so and all that kind of stuff. Um, that. Is not useful. <laughs> That's not how the Bible is written. That's not why God did not put secret codes in the Bible. There are not. There's not some special knowledge that you have. The Bible yeah, is decoder written. pen. The Bible is written specifically to reveal God to you, so that you can know Him. You can know His heart. He doesn't have some special magical knowledge about the end times that if you. That most of the world has missed most of the time, In two thousand years of Christian history, we haven't unlocked the secret.
0: Well, cause uh, somebody every year goes, "This date is the end of the world." Right. This date it's, is the end of the world. And you can pretty much count okay. that not being the one,
1: since you know Jesus said, "No one right. knows the day or the hour." But you know, there, there's a lot of different things that that we do, um, and we essentially play games with the word. Yeah. Even talking about, you know. Uh, Paul's bold statement here. People will jump on that and, and kind of lamb onto that that particular statement, mm-hmm. not read the rest, but this statement. Right. Or they'll try to defend their point from this One particular verse. passage, oh,
0: right. um, without looking around it.
1: Right. And they'll make an argument for or against tattoos from Leviticus 18 right. and look at the verse and not look at the or the, even, the context right. of what's going or on or even
0: homosexuality or whatever.
1: Hugely. And so whatever you want it to right. say, then you make it say. That's not hearing from God. That's not getting to know God because you don't actually want to. If you had been recognizing him in worship and hungering for him in fasting and pursuing him in prayer, then you would not be able to let yourself be lazy and, and, and foolish put, in the appropriation you of You want to put him word. in your box. Right,
0: And what you want to be or what you think is... And
1: when you're actually seeking God rather than seeking a God that fits your design, then you're going to make sure that the text drives your framework, not your framework driving the text. We want to make sure that we're reading the word as it is, not as mama taught me it was supposed to be. Right. If mama was right, great. But if mama was wrong, go with what God said right. and... Convince Mama if you can, if she's still around. So um, then, lastly, that we see them uh, with this in the church setting. So uh, Barnabas and Paul, uh, as they're as they're being sent out, they're doing this with the benedict, the benediction, the blessing of the church. Um, they pray to confirm. They pray to 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 send them out to have this blessing. And the the beauty of this. Is the togetherness. So even when they go off on their own, they're still united with the church. That same diversity that we see at the beginning is present, even as they're separated, because they're still one in purpose, one in spirit. And, and I think we have, in the last 50 years for sure, we've moved so far away from the idea of corporate faith, mm-hmm. corporate <laughs> believing, that. You know, we have this, me and Jesus got our own thing going, right. kind of deal. I go to church when I want to go to church. I go to a church that suits my tastes rather than I'm going to commit to a body of people. And in the name of Christ, I'm going to submit myself to someone else. We don't do that well. I think right. we really don't do that well as Americans. Right. But as Americans in our particular moment in time, we, we, we certainly don't want to... Uh, Submit to someone uh, that looks a lot like what the culture calls oppression. Right. So if I'm a female in the you know in the wake of the Me Too movement, in the wake of of you know second generation, third generation feminism, which is dramatically different than what it it was you know when we were trying to get women equal rights in the vote, it's not the same thing. Now we're getting to a place where in the church I would never want to submit to male leadership in the right. church I would never want to submit to my husband in my marriage that are you kidding me that what kind of sexist chauvinist misogynist garbage is this thing you know stuff that you're talking about the bible can't say that kind of stuff and then we don't have the greater conversation right. because we resist the submission on its face i I, I can't if i'm a, a person of color I can't submit to a white leadership because, you know, look what that means. I don't need the, the the. I don't need this person from this oppressive thing and this white patriarchy that that we've seen. Uh, all of these different things that the culture is telling us, rather than saying uh, we are all equals in this. Right. And I love you, and because I love you, and I trust that you love me, and we are united in loving Christ. We're going to submit to one another, so that that you know uh, that that white CEO might you know, he, he might be submitting to the black janitor who also is an elder at the church.
0: Right.
1: You know, or the, the black uh, um, lawyer might be submitting to the white farmer mm-hmm. because of the relationship that they have. It, it, it's all about submitting to one another, to submitting to the church as Christ's manifestation, Christ's authority in the world. Ultimately, our purpose is submitting to Christ as we do it. So as we work through these things to develop our intimacy, that's where we gain our confidence. We, we get to know him. We recognize who he is. We hunger for him, and we, we chase after him. We pursue knowing God and, and understanding and hearing from him. We get diligent in his word, and we get connected with the church where we can actually obey him in playing that out through through physical relationships. So the more intimately we know Christ, the more powerfully we can show Christ, and that's what we see in the chapter.
0: And we will end there because, as usual, we're over. Of course we are. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, uh, shoot us an email at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. Leave a message on Facebook, and we'll talk about it because that's what you do on a podcast. Word. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.